talking about servings, let's get on to some eternal servings. Just uh, praise the Lord that all of us are, that you were able to come out this morning and be under the word and just continue to pray for one another to uh, encourage, encourage one another. And I know it's kind of frustrating. It's frustrating to me anyway. You know, I, every once in a while I come through here and I'm like, oh, I can stop. Well, I don't know if I really should, you know, you know, with this whole thing going on and but anyway, it's kind of frustrating in a way, but uh, just continue to keep each other in prayer as we have, you know, go through different things. I know that there, there are those of you who have uh, different struggles going on and are dealing with different things and, and rest assured that you are being prayed for and, and that, that um, God is going to do mighty things uh, in and through your life and through what you're going through. So... Romans, Romans chapter 8, Romans in chapter 8, this particular, this particular passage is an awesome passage, all right, Um, if you go to any Christian, well, if you go to a Christian college, is that worth their weight, and sit in a doctrines class, or sit in an apologetics class, or if you're meeting with a, a, um, just uh, some people fellowshipping and, and this chapter comes up, boy, it's, it's, you get some for interesting conversations. They, man, um, uh, Christians have been going over this chapter and, and cycling over this chapter for years and years and years and years. And personally, what it boils down to is just trusting God. Is really just, you know, and how salvation works and all this. You know, you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You know you're saved. Amen. God, you know, God said it, believed it. That settles it, you know. And, and I don't mean to be simplifying a salvation. There, there is the doctrine of salvation that is clearly mentioned here in Romans chapter 8. But man, uh, in, inside Christianity, has become very, it's become very divisive over this. And it is a shame. It is really a shame because, to me, that's just as divisive as a whole versions issue because what version are we going to have in heaven we're not what, is there going to be denominations in heaven there's not and so let us just come together and as as we continue on to this is just just praise the lord for our salvation and what he has done for us. And I'll just start in Romans Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. And it says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them are called that who to them who are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, also he did predestinate to be 
to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and to them he called, he also justified, and whom he justified, he also glorified. Praise God. What shall we say to these things? What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up, us for us all, how shall how shall he not with him all not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that he that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God who maketh intercessions for us. Let's pray. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word and, and for how you guide and direct us through your spirit, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that your word would just have free course in my heart and the hearts that are here. Lord, that your spirit just may penetrate our heart with these words, that the words that are proclaimed this morning may not be my words, but your words only. And we'll just give you all the honor and praise Uh, for that lord and lord we thank you for your love that was shown to us in sending your son to die upon the cross lord that as mankind who who puts their faith and trust in you believes and repents and and trust and trust you lord that they too can become a child of god and i just thank you for that and i thank you for the truths that are that are in this passage and and uh, your great love towards us that that just kind of overflows from this chapter in your name we pray amen here we have we're going to be focusing in on uh, Romans chapter 8 verses 31 through 34 primarily we're going to back up just a tad but anyway so we have a series of questions a series of questions that that surround our hope. We've been going. I've been going through the series and, and tying in this with this word hope. In Romans chapter eight, and the believers here they were under in, in in Rome. They were under Nero, and he wasn't a nice guy. He was person. He the 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 church was not like in America today, where we had you know freedoms and this that and the other. He was persecuting the church. Back then, in those days, just for fun, you know, we, you know, we kind of have our own kind of violence today. I guess we have football and and different things, and millions of people watch it, and there's millions of dollars. We have, you know, wrestling, you know, and all that mess. And but their form of entertainment back then, as far as violence goes, was to was to grab a grab a Christian and um, gut out an animal. And put that box, put that Christian in there alive, and and have him run around in the Colosseum, the Colosseums that are still standing over there in Italy, and and um, and have a, a hungry lion go have some lunch, you know, and that wasn't that's not that's you know that's the perse- persecution. You heard about the catacombs and the different things. We've heard about you know the uh, 
the uh, the Roman Church and all the you know uh, saints standing up against the church and being burned at the stake, uh, alive, being tarred and feathered and burned, um, not pleasant. And so this particular time here, there was just that was going on, and the Apostle Paul here is in, in encouraging them in their walk, and that and what he has done for them, talking here to believers. And so we, we see here that the, the, to, we need to know, to know God is, is to have hope. If you are walking today when, and seemingly without hope, you don't know the same God that I know. Because God is a God of hope. He gives that inner peace within us. And here's these series of questions that Paul asks. Not that he doesn't know them, or not that, but he's asking them, he's asking them rhetorical, rhetorically. You know, sometimes our uh, parents will ask a, a child a rhetorical question. You know, what, do you think this is the right way to go? And getting to think of their actions or getting to think a, a certain way. And that's, that, to me, is a, a really good way of parenting and instead of, you know, going full force or, you know, it's, it's a calm way of handling the situation. But anyway, uh, in verse 31, we see this, this uh, first set of questions. Verse 31, what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? So if God be for us, who can be against us? But the, the sentence before that, it says, what shall we say to these things? What things is he talking about? The things that are being referred to is that these terms that have been debated over and over and over and recycled over and over and over again, Verse 30, moreover, did he predestinate to them he called, to them he, excuse me, to them he also called, and to him he called, and and, um, called, and them he he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified, that you were, that you were called, and that you, um, that you were called, and that you were justified, and that you were glorified. As a believer, it, it, that, that God has got this under control. That, and, the, and the sense of you being called is, I believe it goes to that you were, that someone was responding to the calling of God. Not that God calls just a particular people, because God says in his word is that, is that, um, that, uh, um, that there is none should perish, that all should come to repentance. God did not die for a particular set of people. He did just not die for Israel. He just did not die for America. He just did not die for Caucasians. He did not die for the educated. He died for every single human being that's born. And he is calling them. Now, based on what someone does with that call is if they actually become called. And that calling becomes, becomes in where they take the faith that God has given them by God's common grace, working in their heart and life, drawing them to, because mankind 
mankind has been, or excuse me, God has given mankind this innate desire to worship. And, you know, and we see that all across the world. Whether they're educated societies or uneducated societies, everybody is worshiping something. Even in America today, whether in, in, in America is good at humanism, you know, the worship of self. You see it all over the place. You know, uh, uh, the uh, postmodernism, that's their doctrine. Of, it's, it's wicked, satanic. But anyway, and so one who has been called and as God begins to work and they set their faith and start to begin and God is showing light to them. And as more lights being revealed, they begin to see them they begin to see themselves as God sees them. Is that I'm a sinner and I'm dying and I'm going to hell. Because God is holy. And then they then they begin to recognize what they and then accept and then and then you go on to be justified. That, and we're going to get more into that a little, a little bit later. That, but that one has been uh, justified and then glorified. And that, that one being justified and that, that verb tense in the Greek is very important. It means that something that has been done once and in the past. Is that it's not an ongoing justification. We're not talking about sanctification. Justification... And it all is being, means being declared righteous. And so not only justified, but glorified. Is that, is that positionally now we are glorified. That we have our seat in the heavens right now, as it says in Ephesians chapter, chapter 2, I believe. And then also that not only that, and not only that we have our seats is that that we are children of God, that we are sons of God right now. The only thing that's waiting for us in our glorification is our flesh, our, our just our bodies. And then that day comes when the then the archangel is going to blow that trumpet, and we are caught up to heaven. And that could happen right now, and it didn't, but that could happen right now, and we are caught up together with heaven, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Those believers that have been among us here that have gone on to their, gone on, their bodies are going to be pulled from the grave as believers. I know Ed Baker there, that's his body that is buried in that that cemetery over there, his body's going to be literally taken up out of that grave, and he's going to be in the clouds in heaven, or in the, in the clouds in the air. And then we who are here are going to be caught up together with him, and we will be fully glorified. And I can't wait for that day. And that should be our, that should be our focus. But anyway, we see this question. He says here in verse 32, Actually, verse 31. What shall we say to these things, the things I just mentioned? If God be for us, God is for us because he's done all these things. If God be for us, who in the world can be against you? Why are ye so fearful? You're not. We shouldn't be living in fear. We have that hope within us because of what he has done for us. And... And that God has taken our part, that we have been 
forgiven of the forgiven of the penalty of sin we are his adopted children that god is with us forever we are kept by his mighty power i just want to go to this verse because this is really you know because the, the 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 poor believers that believe they can lose their salvation and there are sincere christians out there that they they can believe that they lose their salvation or one that believes that they can that if they walk away from god and live like the devil they can't come back and repent and i vehemently i that is not the truth they got a completely backwards interpretation of uh of hebrews chapter 4 but anyway let's go over to john in chapter 10 luke matthew mark luke john if you are ever young person or even adult if you're ever wondering if if questioning your salvation or whatever may be and you know the day that you accepted christ and you put your faith in working but you had a you stumbled in sin and and man you just are in the dumps about it and you don't know how god could have done what he did you need to go to this verse and you need to claim it in john chapter 10 in john chapter 10 and verse 28 it says and I give unto them eternal life. Uh, let me let me just uh, yeah. I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never. What? How long is what's never? Never means never, right? It's just like you know. You ask your mom if you can have a snack, you know, and then she says no. Well, no means no, right? Yeah. But anyway, never. They shall never perish, neither they shall, shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them to me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are ones. That once you, are, once you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, that have you have been called and justified and glorified by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, God has you. You are in you are in his hand. And or and then Christ, and Christ is in God and, and you are in Christ and you have this fist and it's not going to let go and Satan can't take that away from you no matter what happens. No matter what happens. For if salvation could have been undone, or if, or if the work of God's forgiveness could have been done, been undone, and I know that this is going into the old um, the illustrations I'm giving are Old Testament different dispensations, but that means that David would not be going to ha- heaven, King David, because of the sins he committed when he was when he when he we believe the God of Abraham and of Isaac. There is no way. When Peter, be, when Peter denied Jesus Christ at the cross, when Jesus Christ was going the cross, and Peter walked and and basically stood up to him when he almost killed a Roman soldier over it, and then he turned around and denied Christ three times, and cursed and saying, "I don't even know him." What if you, I mean, lose, I'd say that would be, if you believe in losing your salvation, that would have been, or rejecting Christ, I would have said that 
maybe would have undone some things. But God is greater. God, God's salvation is greater than our sin because when someone, when you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, God doesn't, we are out from underneath the penalty of sin, past, present, and future. It says that the wages of sin is death, not to the believer anymore. Not to the believer. And so, he says here um, in Romans 28, he said once again in If God be for us, who can be against us? If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if these things have taken place, who can be against you? It is God that brings the victory. We can live victoriously in our Christian walk each and every day as we spend time with him and are obedient to him because in order to be obedient to him, you have to know him. You have to know the rules. And if you're not listening to the rules, you're not being obedient to him. And then, and then the, the victory there as a believer, you know, will be minimal if, if at best. But overall, God has given that victory, and you can walk in that victory in your life, and, the, and maybe the things that you're struggling with or whatever it may be, because of who you are and what Jesus Christ has done for you. We have been glorified now as sons of God, just as we are seated positionally is that there is nothing greater than the create God, the creator of all, right? It says that for in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, all things were created by him and for him, right? And so he's, God is, this is, you know, he's in control. He's the creator of all. In Psalm chapter 46, verses 1 through 3, God is our refuge and strength. And that we are not to fear, to be afraid, or have dread. The greater opposition, the greater we see God working. The greater the the opposition, the greater we see God working. And we don't need to kowtow to the things that we face. We stand stronger up against those things. And we see here uh, that verse that... Hopefully we'll get, we'll get to uh, at some point. But it says in verse 37, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him, through Christ that loved us. That you can have that victory. And so we see that God is the protector. Next we see that God is the supplier. That God is the supplier. Uh, the next, as we see, uh, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him, delivered us up for us all. How shall he, not not with him, freely give us all things? Freely give us all things. That God is our supplier. He's. It says. It says in Second Peter chapter one verse thirteen. Um, According as his divine power hath given us all things pertaining what to life and godliness, through what the knowledge of him that hath called us unto glory and to victory. How do we get that knowledge? 
by you spending time in God's word, about you having devotions, about you coming to church and being under God's word, whether it be in Sunday school, whatever, every time that God's word is open, that we have that inner desire to gain that knowledge that we might be learning through him, that we might know those things that are pertaining that to life and godliness, so that when we so that when trouble comes and trouble does come, and trouble will come because this world is not our home. If you are here today and you're not struggling in this world and, and not fighting the Christian faith, there is something sincerely wrong. Because outside those doors, there is a world that hates you. There's a, and we're seeing more and more and more of that hate being exhibited through Uh, the news and through Washington, through politicians, and it is only going to get worse. And so we need to be focused and we need to to hate the things of the world. We need to hate the the world system. We need to love God and, and show our love towards others. And how is that done? as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And also we know as as God supplies, or or if you will, as God is the supplier in Romans 8, 28, verse, we've already read, and we know all things work together for good, that God's going to supply, that God's going to bring you through it. Either God's going to bring you through it or he's going to take you out of it. But either way, to God be the glory and he's working. Now, why? Why why did he give us all things? He said we can trust in this because, once again, going back to salvation, that he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us. Those who will choose to believe, no, for us all, for all mankind, that whosoever will. But God delivered us up for us all. So God, he spared not his own son. He gave his only begotten son. He said, God, I'm struggling here. God, you don't care about me. And God, yes, he does. He gave his only begotten son for you. Who are you to say God doesn't provide for you? Who am I to say that? Because God gave us his son. And uh, Romans chapter, you know, uh, five, uh, uh, you know, that we're all familiar with that. Romans chapter five and over in verse six. "For, For when... We were yet without strength. In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man who one died, yet yet preadventure for a good man, some would dare even to die. But God commendeth his love towards us. God commendeth his love towards us. In that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. That God gave over his son. I wasn't going to turn there, but I'm going to Isaiah. Um, I just want you to see the gravity of this and the importance of this. Isaiah in chapter 53, some of you might already know where I'm going with this, but 
Isaiah chapter 53, um, in verse 10. And it says, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. This is six hundred. This is written six hundred years before Christ went to the cross. By the way, and here we have a God talking about what He's going to be doing, or what's going to be happening to His only begotten Son. Yet it pleased the Father. Excuse me. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. And when he shall. And when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, his very soul that died, his body just didn't die, his soul died because of your sin and because of my sin. An offering for sin, your sin, my sin, that, that, uh, he, that he shall see his seed and prolong his days, and the pleasure of the, and the, pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand, and then, um, and he shall travail the soul of his, and he shall see the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied, and by, and by his knowledge that may, shall my righteous servant justify many. We read that word justify, justification. This is what. God of heaven, God the Father is referring to that Jesus Christ is going to be able to justify many, not all, but many. For he shall bear their iniquities. And so, here we see that the importance how that Jesus Christ, because how is not God going to give us all things? Because he gave us his son. And then not, and not only that, as with the, the, next, the next question, we go back to uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 33. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Who shall lay anything? To, I love this verse. Who shall lay anything to the charge? Who? This particular verse here basically means this, this word "charged" here in the Greek has this idea of who's going to call you into questioning over your eternal well-being. You know, who's going, who has the authority to do that? Now, that doesn't usually happen today, but you think of during the, uh, way back when, like during the uh, time of the Roman church and believers were, or you think of uh, Martin Luther, who was brought in before the, you know, for the, uh, the, uh, the, you know, the Roman Catholics or whatever you want to call it. And they were questioning him and, 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 and grilling him, and, or they, the, as many as they, or John Huss, you know, they, they were grilling him over and over and over and getting them to, to recant their faith. And they were accusing him of heresy. Who is he that condemneth? Who are they to condemn? Who is, who is anybody to do that? Who is anybody to call questioning of, of your salvation? 
you know Jesus Christ is your Savior and you're producing those works as a believer. Who is who is going to call you into question? And so, who who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Once again, this word elect pops up. This word elect is God's chosen, if you will, in simple terms, the electric, the the, the electric, the um, can't say the word. You know what I'm trying to say? The electric. Almost, I've said it. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say. The group of people, God's God's children, the ones that the ones that responded to God's calling. The once again, God's elect. Just the not that He elect is not talking about that God elected somebody to go to heaven and God elected somebody to go to hell. That's a gross misinterpretation. And it means that you are now that you are part of the body of Christ. That you are that you are part of a living organism here. And so we see here that his his chosen or um, or called due to the fact that God has sent out the gospel invitation. Um, and so then let's go over to Second uh, uh, Corinthians. This is important here because Paul addresses this over in, or excuse me, I said second, First Corinthians. First Corinthians chapter two. First Corinthians chapter two. Verse 15. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things. You who know Jesus Christ, you better be judging all things, the things that you watch, the things that you put yourself in front of, the, the friends that you have. You better, be, you better be judging them. Because if you're not watching out, you're going to become just like the things you're seeing, just like the, 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 the things that are coming through your ear or watching or those who are influencing you. You will become like them. But anyway... Um, that's a whole other message. But anyway, he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who, for who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Instruct him, for we have the mind of Christ. As a born-again believer, God working in and through us, it is, it is wrong for a believer to judge another believer's heart intent the intent of the heart it is so wrong now the actions if some if someone's misbehaving or you know if a child were to come up to a parent and say uh you're not supposed to judge me mom and dad uh, uh, it's not what that's saying that's not what that's saying but it had but once again is that that is it's not it's talking about that it was god who it's not that we are not to judge somebody, oh, you're going to heaven and you're not, kind of thing. You know, we look, uh, there is cor- correction and discipline. God says we shall know them by the fruit that producing, if the Holy Spirit is working in their lives. Yes, there is. And if, and if there's a love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, long su- and all those things, the fruit of the Spirit is working in the believer. That is a 
one of the that is a signs of the of a believer and not only that but our spirit bearing witness with his spirit but anyway we see here um that there that there is no condemnation over in romans in back over in romans chapter 8 we're all familiar with this verse and if you're not you need to be as a believer for there is not for uh, excuse me there is therefore there is therefore now no condemnation, not one single bit of condemnation to them that which are in Jesus Christ, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. If you have a heart, if once someone accepts Jesus Christ and they have this heart's desire to serve God, to please God, and they sense that battle within them, the, with, between the flesh and the spirit, that that is that is a good thing. They they need to keep battling on, because because of what Jesus Christ has done for them, and that there is no condemnation. That you might stumble along the way, but the, the that payment that requires death, there's no condemnation for it. Now let me say this: If we sin, there might be some. Er- there's earthly consequences for that sin. There's a byproduct there, but as far as the eternal consequence of sin, no, you're not going to be bare. The unsaved, the ungod, those that reject Jesus Christ, yeah, they're going to be judged for their sin. And it says the wages of sin is death, and it clear and it clearly lines that what's going to be happening towards the end of. Uh, revelation and, and that the great white throne judgment for the unbeliever and so this should be a tall tale and so if you're sitting here and you have really and you made you made a profession of faith but yet you don't have this desire to to spend time in god's word you don't have really that you're coming to church because whatever or whatever you know just because so it appeases your conscience or or what have you um and that and that when you see wickedness you doesn't bother you and that you have no problems with others doing it and you kind of go along there is something terribly wrong because that person is not living after the spirit that person is living after the flesh they have no desire to live after the spirit of god none you know, and you, we, and you, and sometimes we, and sometimes you know, you gotta be real careful about that. But it's, God says in His Word, "By His fruit ye shall know them." And so it is God that justifies. It is God that. And back in Romans here, we'll wrap up with this here. We won't get to the last one, but we'll uh, um, wrap up with this statement here. Okay, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's? elect who's going to lay any charge it is god that justifies it is god that declares you righteous that declared me righteous when you or i accepted jesus christ as your personal savior and no matter what you've done or who you've been you have been declared righteous and we need to live according to that and shame on us or shame on me when I don't live according to what God has called me to be, because we are ambassadors for him. And, he's, and as we have clearly read, he shed his blood for us. And then to turn around and he's forgiven us and to use this, you know, and kindly just take it, 
second nature. Shall, you know, so that, that verse that says, uh, um, shall, um, if sin, uh, um, anyway, I can't get it right, so I won't say it. But anyway, forgive me. Um, it might come to my memory. But it, God is our final authority. God is, God is the, the one that shall be justified. Turn with me just uh, real quick over to, um, just want to get there real quick, is uh, Romans chapter 5 and verse 9. This whole, we don't have time to go through it, but anyway, but just verse 1. Therefore, being justified, being declared righteous by faith, we have the peace of God through our Lord Jesus Christ. But more importantly, uh, uh, we'll start in verse 8. But God commendeth his love towards us, and that while we yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than now being what? Justified, being declared righteous by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. God's wrath is not upon you. That we have, we sing that song, his robes for mine. We, um, you know, um, over in, uh, uh, I said I was closing with that verse. One more verse. Uh, uh, a second. This is so good. We wanted more about Jesus, right? I, I heard you sing that. We're getting more about Jesus. So anyway. Second uh, Corinthians in chapter five. Uh, verse twenty one. This is another awesome verse. For he hath made him to be sin for us. That's Jesus Christ dying on the cross bearing your sin and my sin upon the cross. Who knew no sin? Jesus Christ didn't come to the cross as a sinner. He became sin for us. He was born of a virgin. Jesus Christ had no earthly father. He He was not of this world. He was God incarnate in the flesh. He knew no sin. That what? That we might be made the righteousness of God in him, in Christ. That we might be made righteous. That you that that we are made righteous before him when that gavel went down. You are declared righteous. When we as the bride as the bride of Christ, as when he when Jesus Christ submits us to his heavenly father as the bride of Christ, he will look upon us as righteous. For if he sees sin, you're gonna be at the at the um, white the great white throne judgment. And you won't even be at the bride of Christ anyway. But uh, anyway, we see this that that we not we, that we need not to be guilty of sin. If there are things that we have, when we have all done wickedness, and Satan loves to bring up those past things, or how could you ever do something like this? God, our sins are as far as from the east as from the west. God doesn't even know them. 
And so who am I or who are you to bring up those sinful past in your own heart, in your own life? That's like taking Christ, ripping his body off the cross and saying, your blood wasn't sufficient for me. That's how bad, and and it's something that you and I need to claim victory over, that you need to tell Satan to take a hike, that God has forgiven me of that. And then as we do commit sin, God tells us in 1 John 1, 9, for if we, you know, confess our sins on an ongoing basis, because we are not made perfect yet. He's a faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us, cleanse us. It's not a part of us anymore from all unrighteousness. And we need to hang on to these things and these truths. So once again, in in closing, if God before you, if God before can, or put your name in there, if God before us, who can be against you? Nobody. Um, how shall he not with him also freely give you all things? There, you know, how how can he not give you all things? There's all things, they're out there. But, you, but we need to walk by faith and trust him and be blessed by God. Because the things of this world don't satisfy. I know that some of you here might think that they do. They don't. They're empty. They're vain. The richest person on this planet right now without Christ is utterly miserable. Because God gives all things. And those things make us happy. Look at the rich man and Lazarus. And I'm going to keep it. But God has given you all things, right? And then also, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? God, Satan is up there, the accuser, standing up there accusing you and me. Who is you to save him? Who is you to save her? Look at their life. How come you saved him? How come you saved her? And God calls Satan the accuser, and there's a... We don't have time to go there, but over in Revelation, it talks about God, uh, or God the Father throwing Satan the, or the accuser into the lake of fire where he belongs. And that's what's, hap- what's going to happen. And so I say all this, dearly beloved, we have hope in Jesus Christ. And... We face struggles and different things that happen and different things. And we, and I'll raise my hand. Things, you know, the, the, the waves are starting to come over. We're kind of gasping for air, you know, kind of thing. Or we're frustrated. And, and sometimes that comes out in an attitude or an action. But we are misguided. We need to keep our focus on our Savior and our love for him. Because what you are stressing about or what you are dealing with, you know, the things of this world, it doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is your walk with Jesus Christ. That, and the only reason why you're struggling, my guess, as I've always told teens, you know, you know, if, you know they're struggling with something or whatever it may be, 
first thing I will ask is, how much are you spending time in God's word? Because I ask myself that. How, 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 are you put, how many times are you putting yourself under the, the teaching of God's word? Let's get that straightened out. Then I guarantee you things will start falling into place. And then you'll start seeing victory. You'll start seeing strength. You'll start seeing the hope that God has given to you as we looked at in Romans chapter 8. So let's pray that this was a challenging to us and and for us as believers and and once again if if you're here today and you have and you're not for sure of, of your salvation you're not don't know uh, or if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and you're hearing about these words adoption and glorification and being justified and and being declared righteous and God is working in your life just pray I just pray that you just come up and seek me and I'd love to share uh, more about that with you that you too can know Jesus Christ as your personal savior and a uh, believer if you're struggling and in, in your walk with the Lord and in the spending time with God you know just come to, I'd love to pray with you and, and 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 to strengthen you I share this with teens all the time because our lives are too busy our lives are too busy these little things I think sometimes are devil's tools pulls us away from this we need to be spending more time in this because this is eternity let's pray our gracious god and heavenly father we do thank you for your word thank you lord for your saving grace and the hope that it gives us i thank you lord for those who have put their faith and trust in you lord for those who you have called according to your purpose, who have, who have respo- responded to your calling, who those who have been justified, who have been declared righteous because of that and glorified. I pray that, that we would just understand and know these truths and walk in hope and peace in our lives. As we've said earlier today, Lord, we see all the, the turmoil that's going on in our country uh, civilly and and health wise lord and all these things and and i just pray lord that we just might walk confidently and boldly before you that there would be a clear distinction between our life and the life of the unsaved that that our testimony might ring true that people would ask questions of us that we would be bold to share christ that we would not keep these truths to ourselves lord because you did not save us just to sit and wait for you to come. But you saved us to share, to be that witness, to be that light, that others too might come to know this and experience that hope and that joy and that peace that we've been talking about this morning. Lord, I just pray that you just continue to guide and direct in our hearts and our lives as we spend time with you. I pray your protection upon this assembly as we go out. Lord, as, as uh, this uh, disease is still uh, somewhat prevalent, and just pray that we don't make wise choices uh, going forward and that you would just work in a mighty way in our inner man. And we ask all these things in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You're dismissed. <laughs>